Welcome to The Leverage Point. A podcast about your development and performance at work. Improvement doesn't have to be hard. Or boring. This podcast is a pragmatist guide to growth, achievement and success. So discover your leverage point. My name's Angela Lane. And I'm Sergey Gorbatov. We're researchers and practitioners in the fields of talent, human performance and behavior. Together with you, we'll translate science into leverage points. So Sergey, what are we going to talk about today? Today's topic is all about changing roles, or more specifically, how frequently you should change roles to maximize your success. In our episode on ambition, we spoke about what constitutes success, and we'll drop that link in the description below. But to summarize, we define success as getting what you want. And if you define success as doing a role you love, then changing roles won't matter for your success. But if you define success as having a more traditional career, to be specific, obtaining a position of influence and seniority, you know, uh, getting to a higher level, then we're going to argue that changing roles is key. Traditional career success usually means being performing in ways that gain you greater responsibility over time. And greater responsibility results in increased financial reward and usually status reward. And being prepared to change roles is a critical part of that process. Why? One answer actually has to do with how humans learn. How you, I'm laughing. I'm thinking how humans learn or how humans earn. That too. But there is a rule of thumb in human resources. It's usually referred to as 70-20-10. This rule can be summarized as saying that 70% of everything we learn, we learn by doing. 20% of what we learn, we get from other people, coaches, mentors, bosses, it's learning from others. And a mere 10% is learning in a formal classroom or on your own through reading, doing online courses, watching videos, or listening to podcasts. And if we want to get ahead in our career, we need to perform. And to perform, we need to learn from the right experiences. And in the future episode, we'll definitely address that. But for now, the right moves at the right time give us the experience edge. Let's be mindful of that. And that edge gives us a leverage or advantage. So in other words, for career success, experience matters. And we get experience by doing different roles under different circumstances. It's true that we need to change jobs to gain experiences and skills that will make us successful today and in the future. There is a hallmark research on derailment that says the lack, though, of foundational skills will actually stall or derail your career later. It's absolutely true you need to change jobs to gain experiences and skills, and those make you successful today and going forward. In fact, there's some great research that actually shows that one of the things that can cause us to derail later on in our careers is if we actually shortchange the process of getting those foundational skills early on. It's another reason why I think having those experiences, changing jobs, building your skill set really, really matters. There's another reason, though, why it matters, and it gets a little bit to the joke I made earlier on. And I would argue that if your criteria is traditional career success, then changing jobs at the right rate also matters. Why? And it's because of the effect that change has on your earnings trajectory. 
So let me give you an example. Assume, Sergey, we've got two employees, they both start their careers together, and they both start on $100,000. I've started them on that because it makes my maths a little bit easier. But assume in this scenario there's no annual uh, merit increases or, or wage changes. There's just what they earn from when they change roles. And let's assume that every time they change a role, they get a salary increase of about 5%. And it's a fair assumption, right? Getting an adjustment for taking on a new role is pretty typical, even for a lateral move within a company. So thinking about these two employees, Angela, what happens to their financial success over time? If one of our fictitious employees changes roles every three years, compared with the other who changes every two, the impact over a 20-year career is that our more frequent mover will, in their final year of work, be getting an extra $21,000 that year. But importantly, they will have earned more than $200,000 more over the period of their career. Sergey, I liken this to kind of frequent flyer miles. It's a small benefit. One flight gives you a small benefit, but they kind of accumulate over time. Yeah, the more flights you take, the more miles you have in your account. Exactly. So let's assume, let's keep with this model for a bit. Let's assume that both of these guys are average performers and they also both get the average same annual increase. Let's call that 3% for argument's sake. Well, what happens then? Our fast mover will have earned over 300,000 more during their 20-year career because that 3% annual increase keeps being applied to an ever so slightly bigger base. In other words, small improvements to base salary just magnify over time. And over 20 years, if you're measuring success in terms of financial gains, our fast mover is absolutely better off, even when compared to someone who is a very similar performer. So even if you work for a company that values non-traditional career models, crooked career paths, side jumps, lateral shifts, or even if you're a gig worker, maybe you're self-employed, doesn't actually matter what type of career you pursue. What's really happening is that every job change is an opportunity to review your remuneration and justify a positive change based on your experience. And this is a nice segue to the third reason of why changing jobs is important. You are the owner of your career. Scary, I know. Changing jobs and building skills gives you the opportunity to own your career. Traditionally, organizations managed career for their employees. And we were talking about lifelong employment and somebody in the HR department would have your career map and would tell you exactly which job move to take and how often. And that still happens. But most likely, only if you're on those high potential lists will your career be mapped out for you. But if you aren't, or if their plans for your career don't align with yours, you're going to want to change roles and probably companies to get what you want in terms of career success as you've defined it. In other words, a company's high potentials might get career success by leaving it to HR, but the rest of us need a plan. 
I like it. So let's agree that changing roles is good for success. It's good because it builds experience, it gives financial success, and it gives you agency over your career. But here's the challenge, if, or at least to me, it seems that if that is true, if that's a truism, and it's true for everyone, then there's not really a leverage point here. So, Sergey, is there something you're not telling us? Because typically, <laughs> we're about leverage points. Definitely. There are at least two aspects that you need to keep in mind as you move through the roles. The first is the nature of the experiences you're collecting. And the second is how others, the decision makers about your career, see your changes and interpret your values. Let's start with the first one. We said experience matters. It is usually the place people start when they're evaluating you. Recruiters will look at your CV, trying to gauge if your past experience makes you a candidate for the vacancy. Leaders look for evidence that you have done the work in the past or work that is similar and that you have done it successfully. Now, let's do a mental exercise together, shall we? Imagine that you're applying for your next job. Think, what role is it? Why do you want it? How do you know if it's the right move for you? Okay, and now that you have grounded yourself in the specific of the role, you're imagining that, ask yourself two questions. Have you done the work? And have you done it successfully? Think for a moment how you would answer these. Because we have some follow-up questions for you. And those are really hard. So those were the warm-up questions. Now the hard questions come. You may have done the work, but the question is what work? How many more were working on the same task? How much latitude did you have in making decisions? How much supervision? Was the job narrow or broad? Did you manage to build depth? These may be fine differences, but they're important. Say we have two roles with the same title, procurement manager. In your supply chain department, a person who is responsible for purchasing contracts with vendors. One role is an organization with well-established processes and protocols, while the other role is in a fledgling organization where the rules, structures, and procedures are changing by the minute. Even though the role may be the same, the work will be drastically different across the two contexts, and therefore, you'll be getting very different experiences. In the stable hierarchical organization, the experiences may be around cost control through vendor optimization or organizational politics. While in the entrepreneurial context, as a procurement manager, you may be learning organizing work, building effective teams, and dealing with ambiguity. So you see, same role, to different contexts, very different experiences that you may be getting out of that. That's why LinkedIn profiles and resumes may be misleading. They say what you did, but not what experiences you have collected in those roles. So what you're saying is it isn't enough to actually be in a role. You need to be able to articulate the experiences that you've gained. And this is over and above those kind of technical tasks like procurement it's actually distilling the behaviors you needed to exhibit because those were what delivered results. So speaking of results, you had a second question. The second question was about doing the job successfully. 
But what we really care about is what results, what type of results. It logically follows that your results should be commensurate with the time enrolled. You can't claim successfully executing a turnaround of a brand if you've only been in the role for 12 months. Programs, brands, processes, they have cycles. And results should be measured by both how successful you were in launching something and the long-term impact of that. The word long-term means that you can only claim full credit if you stay in the role long enough. Recruiters, search firms, hiring managers, they're looking for evidence that you have the right experiences to do a job, as well as evidence that you have the right behaviors and motivations to facilitate delivering results. In other words, role changes matter because each role is the opportunity to gain experience, learn behaviors, but there is more. It's not only about experience. In each job, you will also collecting different behaviors and you'll be honing them and developing them. And that's what recruiters, search firms, hiring managers are looking for in addition to the experience in that role. In other words, role changes matter because each role is the opportunity to gain experience, learn behaviors, navigate context, and deliver results. So when we talk about time and role, this isn't sitting in the seed time. We're talking about building expertise and delivering time. So getting the timing right matters. I absolutely agree with that. What you're looking to do is to build evidence that you got something from the role. But there is another consideration. People look at your background. You talked about recruiters, perhaps search firms, hiring managers. People look at your background and they use it to understand not just experiences, but to also try and understand you a little bit better. In doing so, like it or not, they're actually making value judgments about what they see. So perhaps they're looking at someone who typically stays three to five years in each role. Perhaps they're assessing that that person may care about stability or be dependable. Maybe they assume they're loyal or conscientious. Maybe they see job changes every one or two years, and you can already guess where this is going, right? They assume that person maybe is going to move on quickly, doesn't follow through. Perhaps there's someone who's easily bored. Or most concerning, maybe they're feeling, oh, did this leader or did this company want that person around? So in essence, your career is telling a story about you. And without your own narration, others will make assumptions about why you took the moves that you did. The question is, what story does your resume tell us about you, especially if you're not there to tell us yourself? You want your resume to show a depth of experience, a commitment to learning, a success at delivery. And in our opinion, that's all possible. And you can do it in ways that actually negate those negative value judgments. So, Sergey, how do you actually do that? How do you find that leverage point? And now we're moving to my favorite part, which is always the practical part. Actually, uh, this is about advice, things that you could put in place right now. And the leverage point here is about actively managing your career. Because if you don't, someone manages it for you. 
And if they have your best interest in mind, you're lucky. And is that a chance you're willing to take? If not, and you're up to the challenge of becoming the career captain, and we're using this phrase because of a short career assessment that we often use in coaching and leadership programs, and those who score highest are called career captains. So if you're up to that challenge, there are three pieces of advice that we have for you. First, know your goal and know the role. It may sound banal, but Stephen Covey was right. Begin with the end in mind. The Cheshire Cat was also right. If you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. These principles apply in career management. Knowing your trajectory several years out will enable you to make the right short-term decisions, like how long to stay in the role. One of those considerations is what you expect to learn from it. As we said, in every job, you're collecting a set of experiences. Every job is an opportunity. For example, in a call center team lead role, you learn to manage a large team of workers in highly specialized jobs. Motivation and turnover are your thesis enemies and don't even dream about big budgets. Hiring and staffing, as well as motivating others, are relatively easy skills to master. So after about 18 months in the job, start looking around. But now think about a different role, a business development analyst working on potential acquisitions. It's a highly strategic role. Mergers and acquisitions take longer. So linger in a bit. Strategic agility and managing stakeholders are more complex skills to learn. And comparing this to jobs, so one in a call center and the other of a business analyst, here comes our rule of thumb. If the learning is complex, allow more time. Stay in the role longer. And if the learning is easier, you're learning easier skills, allow less time, then you can get out of the role quicker once you have mastered those. These considerations will help you figure out the shortest possible time to spend in a job and when you have the right next step. This, of course, brings us to the next questions. What's the right next step? Is it a job where you will learn different things and deliver results? So a good next step has these characteristics. It fills a gap in your experience, or it tests existing experience on a bigger scale, or it tests existing experience in a more complex context. So that's our first guidance. Know your goal and know your role. The second piece of advice is try not to leave without a wow story. What's a wow story? Well, it's a story of what results you delivered. Why is it wow? It's wow because the result is over and above what someone would have expected. Now, you might be thinking, how can it be over and above? How can I do that? Well, lots of ways. Think about it. It could be that you deliver more of what was expected. So think in terms of sales. Or it could be that you deliver what was expected, but then you go and deliver something else. Think sales, but also a new account. Or you delivered what was expected in difficult circumstances. Think hitting your sales budget during COVID. What makes a wow story? A wow story is not one that you get where the bar was set low and you managed to climb over it. Perhaps expectations in that organization or for that role were not that high. But wow stories are different. These have to be a wow story when someone else is setting the baseline. So gauge your managers and your stakeholders' expectations. Put yourselves in the position 
of the hiring manager or the executive search firm. That's where you set the bar and then jump over it, land your wow. Wow, make everyone see that. Finally, the third piece of advice is about when to quit. We talked about staying the right amount of time in the job to collect an experience. So stay the course and stay in the role even if you don't like it. You can learn from it. And maybe, well, if you don't like it, you learn even more. But also know when to jump ship and know when to jump ship early. Now, you won't do that without thinking. Otherwise, you might land in a school of sharks. But if you are certain about the necessity to do so, take the plunge. What are some of the considerations to jump ship? There are a few. One is reporting to a poor leader. Poor leaders are not without their merits. You can learn a lot from a poor leader. And sometimes I complain that nobody writes in their development plans, this person needs to report to a bad boss. I would claim that the learning could be a super rich, particularly around how not to lead a team. But you must leave when the situation is toxic and you can't win. Another reason to leave is poor performance. Yours, I mean. And if you can't turn it around. Your poor performance early on actually can help you because a turnaround is a wild story. But if you can't turn it around for a number of reasons, the context might be beyond you or uh, there are aggravating circumstances, well, you need to leave. But be thoughtful, planful, strategic about it and, of course, practical. It is for very practical reasons that you might want to leave a specific job, company, team, or boss. And in cases like this, choose pragmatism over loyalty. Okay, we'll give you another example of when it's best to leave. Situations change, people change, companies change even faster. Companies change faster than people. And when you find yourself in a situation that the values or the reputation of a company or product, or brand, are no longer aligned with yours and impact you negatively, run, regardless of how well you do in your role. Staying in a situation like that is bad for your career and even your health. Studies in the field of psychoneuroimmunology prove that when your personal values are in discord with the values of your work, your body will know. So if you see any of this happening to you, abandon the boat, or as the Frenchman would say, abandonnez le bateau. So there is a leverage point here available for those that actively manage their career. That means you're selecting jobs wisely. Once you've done that, you're going to plan to stay in them, but you're going to plan to stay in them for the minimum time possible to make the greatest contribution possible while extracting the maximum learning available. Staying longer means that you might miss out on the opportunity to gain new skills and experiences faster. Moving too fast means you may also miss out on valuable learning while getting a reputation for behaviors that don't reflect you at your very best. So remember our advice on how to get leverage. Firstly, know your goal and know the roles. Secondly, don't leave a role without a wow story, unless it's one of those special circumstances. And if they happen, know when to jump ship. That's it for today. Thanks for listening in. Remember that small changes can lead to big impact if you find the leverage point. So keep asking yourself, what's my leverage point? 
And to continue this conversation, share this episode on social media like LinkedIn or Facebook with a comment or a question to our wider community. And give us five stars on Apple Podcasts while you're at it. Till the next one. Bye.